0: Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is A.J. Bingham and welcome to the BG Podcast. Our guest today is Marissa Patton, the Associate associate Legislative Director at the Texas Farm Bureau. Our topic is going to be the state of Texas hemp policy. There have been some changes or some moves in that in the last few months. And Marissa's been at the forefront of that since the last legislative session through that in 2019. And she's going to share some of her insights on on what's coming up next few weeks and also provide a recap of um, how we got here. So with that, I want to turn it over to Marissa and just briefly, you know, talk about your, give an overview of your, your background and your work at the Farmers Bureau, Farm Bureau.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I came to Farm Bureau um, after having worked about two years for the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. Uh, prior to that, that was my first, my entry into state-level politics. Um, had a great time over there, learned, learned a heck of a lot. Um, but uh, before that, I did have some capital experience. However, it was in Washington, Mm D.C. I worked for Senator Cornyn for two years, uh, first as an intern and then on his Judiciary Committee staff. Um, I come from an ag background, didn't study ag. I went to school at Texas Tech and um, had a very general communication studies degree, so clearly I needed uh, realized pretty quickly that I needed some direction with that in my path initially was law school, and and found my way into the internship, and many of the attorneys that I uh, worked around on, Senator Cornyn's judiciary staff helped guide me. Outside of <laughs> going <laughs> towards the law school path, yeah, yeah, um, smart I,
0: choice. Exactly. I, I think the opposite route. I went through law school, and decided I want to be a lobbyist instead, and,
1: uh, and uh, much respect on that way. Um, at, at that time, it was like 2007, so a lot of folks weren't finding jobs right away after mm-hmm. after graduating. So they helped me understand that my passion for advocacy could certainly be fulfilled via other paths. It didn't necessarily have to come with that with that mm-hmm. law degree. So I've been enjoying uh working for farm bureau now it's been i guess over six years that i've been there Um, really passionate about our membership most of all Um, these are folks um, you know salt of the earth type of people Uh, strong ag roots and our family farmers i mean they Mm -hmm. grow and produce our food and fiber that um, we trade globally and of course really helps um, with the the demand of keeping that with the rising world's food world population yeah um, clearly we're gonna we're gonna have to be taking care of that but it's still good to have these opportunities like like hemp um, to sometimes fill in the gaps Um, we've supported hemp now for I think the past three legislative sessions uh, which is a big deal for for our membership Um, it was kind of one of those movements that started uh, within our national affiliate mm-hmm. American Farm Bureau Federation other states had been uh using the pilot program avenue to grow hemp um of course it, within that path it was very very regulated as well um and it was just a pilot program so mm-hmm. it was mostly just for kind of st- studies and research um and we supported being able to do that but certainly after the passage of the 2018 farm bill that's when it really took off and allowed us kind of an open gate to get yeah. going
0: and that 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 uh, as federal federal legislation passed in December of 2018 right mm-hmm. leading into the 2019 session and then what was going on then so we, had, we ultimately ultimately with the passage of house bill 1325 but the discussions right so the, that farm bill the federal farm bill Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but left it to the states. Left it to the states to formulate their, you know, kind of rule, policies, and procedures on this, which then had to be reported back to the feds. Absolutely. And so, the work during session was to get that framework going. You know, kind of set, but then also in conjunction with Texas, Texas Department of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: It gave states the states that wanted it um, the opportunity to regulate at the state level. Um, without that legislation, uh, there was some debate, and I, I believe we still would have been able to uh, grow in Texas through USDA's program unless the state otherwise still prohibited it. So, technically, we did have to pass legislation enabling the le- the, 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 the hemp yeah. to be legal it made, it state level. It made it smoother. It made it smoother regulatory-wise. And that enabled Texas to be, you know— in the driver's seat, essentially, in terms of regulating. Um, and absolutely, it was the case that we didn't want to be left behind. We had already been quasi-left behind, having not passed a pilot program. So it was an interesting um, interesting bill to lobby on. I mean, we were always, always, always nervous for that either ghost in the closet or what was going to pop out from around the corner in terms of just the misinformation. Mm-hmm. and it being a close, it being nearly, I mean, pretty much the same, the same product as uh, the same species as as marijuana. Mm-hmm. We were always dealing with that uh, fear of miseducation, misinformation, uh, but we feel like ever as a as a group, we did an okay job. Uh, we also feel like like generally that consumers um, understand the difference and understand that 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 lower threshold of having to have such the low thc level being the true difference and when it's a highly regulated product it's going to be actually pretty difficult to get it Mm -hmm. out of out of the field um it's it's going to ensure of course that it's a safe product and and texas wanted to uh take the responsibility of 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 having our own state agencies uh doing the regulation over it whether that's texas department of agriculture or Department of State Health Services, who who regulates everything that's essentially being sold. Um, we definitely approached it from the standpoint Farm Bureau of, you know, this is going to be a real hypocritical type of environment if there are, there's product on the store shelves, but mm-hmm. Texas farmers, Texas growers can't or is not 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 allowed to produce it. So
0: yeah, it seemed about. I mean, I think there's probably maybe about a year ago there was a real stretch where you everything was cbd i mean it's mm-hmm. still i think it's it's i mean there's cbd products all across the board now but just in kind of anecdotal at least what i've seen it saw around austin it was kind of tied to last year's south by and then onward going Absolutely. that summer into the fall mm-hmm. it was like you know like cbd gold rush right right to a degree yeah and i think uh I know there have been some articles about that, too, just, you know, in terms of laying out what is the realities of hemp farming and what's available. And because I think it was just even nationally even internationally, like in North America, right, you saw, I know was really tied to the cannabis conversation and that, the mm-hmm. proliferation of that industry in states like Colorado, uh, Washington State and Canada and everything else, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's interesting, right, on in the lobby side... People people don't people don't understand a lot of our job is educating and like just laying out the facts and what were some of the big I can I can guess some of the biggest misconceptions right What do you say your top three were with the product if there were three um, with just educating about hemp sure. versus cannabis
1: whether or not it was the same species same genus um, of the plant we didn't get necessarily that detailed of questions but a lot of questions from the standpoint of this is the feminine this is the female versus male version or or um, it some of the questions got really interesting, but uh, really one of the challenges too is that we did not have a whole lot of really good information on the product, on the, I mean on the crop, uh, which we don't ever like to approach issues no one me, does. from that standpoint <laughs> at kind all. Kind of blind. Certainly, especially, especially with ag, you know, we're ready usually with our science, we like to be ready with... All of the studies that we can just show and have have um, the ability to answer questions that are rooted in these, in these peer-reviewed studies in yeah. science, but not having had the ability to have that pilot program prevented us in Texas from doing that. So from the standpoint of where do we know it's going to be able to be grown in Texas, everything, like a lot of that stuff was guesses, is guesses. Um, we have a good amount of information that we can pull from other states uh but you know when it comes to the product being particular to texas you know it's it's crops are diverse they they they're a product of of where they're grown and um, what regions and how much rain and um so there was a lot of unknowns uh one thing that was really important to me working on this issue and lobbying this issue was making sure that if there was um, a question I could not answer, I did not guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like to ever admit that that ever happens, period, with myself or anyone else. But it was very important to me that that staffer, that legislator understood that I could turn around that information or we could go look for it, but it's not going to be a um, situation in which I'm kind of really trying to sell this as much of it. More so it was the conversation really about the free market capitalism conversation of like, hey, let's don't hold us back. From, yeah. All of these other states are, are, are about to blow up with this. Give us the ability to participate. Give us the ability to determine for ourselves whether or not this crop is going to be economically viable. Um, and I was proud that they were able to see that. I mean, Re- Representative Tracy King had pilot program legislation in past sessions. Of course, he was he was ready to come back to the table this session, this past session. And uh, Senator Perry did also a really good job. He was very serious about this. Actually, we hadn't, Texas Farm Bureau hadn't had that as a part of our uh, legislative priority package for mm-hmm. the last session going in. And he pulled us in and sat us down and said, listen, I need you all to be kind of front and center um, or else in order to give this um, some real validity, which we understood and not saying that that was the only way at all. There was an amazing group, an amazing team of other lobbyists, other associations that came together, but it helps when you have an organization that has uh, uh, just – the amount of folks involved, like yeah. we do,
0: I'll say deep roots, right? We're kind of no pun, but just like you're yeah, a exactly. very strong, sure, industry association is respected in the ag front in Texas and nationally too.
1: Definitely, and and he probably would have turned to a, another group and encouraged more to be involved had there been anyone else. I mean, there's we've got some of the cotton folks that were looking at this, but you know, if, if they're running a cotton organization, they're probably wanting. Yeah, the
0: conversation to be about cotton. of yeah. course. Do you find just I mean, how much uh, I won't say playing defense is the wrong kind of charge word, but just keeping the conversation focused on hemp and not making, not letting it bleed over into a camp's conversation. Because I know on the business side, at least from some of the folks you we know, we've spoken to, uh, in the going to last session and, and and you know through through the session in twenty nineteen. You know the, the the long game is that I mean I think obviously there's an industry for there is an industry for hemp mm-hmm. and you see that already being played out in, in states that have legalized it um, for commercial use um, and also for you know for consumer use for CBD oil mm-hmm. which is derived from hemp. Um, but the long play I think it's 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 knowing that on I mean, the business side people want to get to the cannabis conversation and, and there are cannabis associations nationally and state wise. So how much? work did you have to do to kind of keep it really focused on that? Right. Cause I think that's the biggest thing. It's not even so much your discussion is just getting indirectly aligned with these other groups that are knit, just not really the most convenient for your conversation, what you're trying to do.
1: Sure. Um, it was extremely important. I mean, that was throughout session kind of our key task. And we always were having to steer the conversation back towards him. Um, we were we were actually pretty um trying to think of the right word here without sounding mean girls-esque but we were pretty uh uh, um territorial-ish or or we were pretty cautious as to who we let involved like let really be a part of of the the minutia of the language of putting together um the different aspects of the bill because it was just extremely important that there was no question whatsoever that there was any bleed-in to the hip legislation from um, cannabis cannabis groups or uh, whatnot. So even within like um, you know medical cannabis, um, there was some there was some action going on there. But we, we kept this, and I feel like we did a great job of keeping this strictly to the conversation about hemp. Um, of course, it kind of still goes back once again to the farm bill. Um, that really helped us out because uh, that allowed us the path forward. Of, of course, that made it very understandable that you can you can legalize hemp without... Um, legalizing marijuana mm-hmm. uh, but it led into some interesting conversations too like like the conversations around smokables and whether or not um, that was a path we wanted to go down and uh, it gets kind of confusing for law enforcement under, uh, understandably without, without, without the testing yeah. uh-huh in place um, and that throughout was never uh, any anything anyone as far as I'm aware, intentionally did to deceive anybody. I mean, it was yeah. it was one of those things that um, was kind of frustrating to hear and see really come forward after the fact. And although there was some, I would say little, uh, a few conversations that were had about that issue, I mean, one, during public testimony, which which that's big, but at the same time, it was... In order to have understood that it was going to have that large of an impact, um, not to disparage any other groups, but I would have approached that a different way um, mm-hmm. if I needed to really get the attention of legislators. Um, so it's unfortunate to see that come out um, after the fact, and I almost want to get defensive for those offices um, who who worked so hard in passing the legislation because we were trying to address. It was it was very. Uh, Made very clear that we were trying to address everything that was necessary in order to keep this product safe for Texas and to disrupt as few um, um, other functionalities that we already have ongoing, like testing.
0: Well, you know, I think thankfully that's why we have multiple legislative sessions, so we can, there's always things to refine with bills. I think just the bill itself there might you know like say unintended consequences but things that arise from there that weren't foreseen sometimes there's, i think that there's no bill that's perfect right right um we see that locally with you know legislation gets passed city hall and onward it's just but that's what we have clean up legislation and things to refine once we have more data and so on mm-hmm. um and i want to get to that too what what you're forecasting for the next session in 2021 but kind of recapping on hb 1325 So the key component, right? What differentiates hemp from THC? Like, is a certain percentage, right? Of that, the the threshold.
1: Exactly. Um, The only difference uh, legally from between hemp and marijuana is the low THC percentage in hemp. Uh, Right now, it's .03. Actually, we um, just passed. Internal policy within our American Farm Bureau Federation to increase that percentage uh, to point or to excuse me to one percent. That's still very safe. Um, Don't quote me on this. I need to verify it, but my understanding is it's like roughly around thirty-four percent that that I guess your average marijuana hits at in terms of its THC percentage. So Mm -hmm. we're still dealing with an extremely, extremely low um, percentage of THC. Uh, The problems and the reason for the increase is that it's difficult to control that um, low, low, low amount um, when you're working from the standpoint where we are, where we're still new, we're developing our genetics, we don't have those genetics yet. Um, and you know, the testing, it's all, it's all such a new effort. So we want to make sure we're producing a safe crop. We also want to make sure we're able to get our crop out of the fields. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so it's going to DPS, a- on that note, DPS is part of the enforcement of the Texas, or the Texas Department of Public Safety. And mm-hmm. just from the, I know some of the meetings we were in about, about the bill and the concern around, you know, quote unquote, hot crops yes. um, bill or either unintentional or intentional uh, kind of growing of um of canvas plants kind of masked with uh um you know with uh, hemp plants. But the idea that you know DPS was very hardcore in this and if they even got the inkling whether it was direct or not, they'd burn the whole crop down. Sure. right. Yeah. Which you normally know, <laughs> you're losing money on that. You're more so if you're a good actor and all this. And it's just, you know, sometimes I mean plants aren't they can bleed over, right? Or I know that was a big concern. Well how do we know yep. what happens if it blows you know, it's whatever how however gets in our field it got in there and it's quote unquote contaminated. And all those kind of things, but there's the enforcement right. of burning it, burning it down, then also the fines and everything else too. They found out you intentionally were doing it. That
1: that scares a lot of people, or the jail time rather. Right, uh, that scares a lot of people. Um, it's it's going to be interesting once we get. I mean, we're at a point in time where last Friday, I believe, uh, TDA posted their uh, adopted rules. It's going to going to be. I'm understanding like probably this Wednesday that growers actually get to start, uh, uh applying for their permits
0: tomorrow, March 11th. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, so that's exciting. Um, we'll see how it all goes. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of faith, but at the same time, it's just going to be one of those efforts that is yeah. a, I mean, quasi trial and error. You don't want to trial and error, um, when you have such huge risks and a lot of our members um, rightfully understand that there is a lot of risks going into this. Um, I think TDA has also done a really good job educating potential growers that you need to have contracts in place. You need to understand how you're going to get your, your product sold. What happens if, you know, play all those games. Um, how are you financing this? What's, what's uh, the banking side look like? And I know there's, there's several things going on at the federal level, um, revolve, uh, involving that um, our m- members especially who are used to growing um, uh, row crops that have been around for for some time have you know safety nets sometimes they have they have um, crop insurance that's still all being developed for him so it's going to be a process that of course in the main one of the key things is uh, the genetics of the seeds that's going to really do the most probably to help ensure that we're not producing hot crops. But until then, it's just a grow at your own risk. But gosh, we're grateful that we get that opportunity. Yeah. You know, We're going to have to probably refine things in upcoming sessions for sure. Um, we're going to have to make sure um, potentially that, that law enforcement has um, their proper testing equipment Certain things like that—that's—that crosses, of course, over into someone else's job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but understanding that's probably going to be um, important to the state and important to our leadership. Um, but it's going to be exciting to watch it all come come together. Uh, I think everyone has a good and an open mind about this, and an understanding that this is a brand new commodity for us. So that's going to come with some of the with some of the pitfalls that you know starting anything new mm-hmm. um, has so I think Texas has done a really good job of this but we're all we're all organizing we're all getting together we're all having conversations a lot of our members have already kind of slowed I, I don't mean to say s- slowed down in terms of any kind of excitement for it necessarily but we were certainly approaching this from the allow us allow us the right to grow this. Um, some folks are seeing that it might be more of a indoor greenhouse type of, of a of a crop because it's going to have to be so controlled. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if we can get the genetics there, then yeah. that might be some something that's really viable uh, along with uh, along with good insurance. Uh, to a lot of our members so everyone's really paying a a lot of close attention can't make any guarantees or gosh any any close guesses really as to how many applicants are going to come forward from your typical farmer background Um, but that's exciting too we've been we're we're interested in having and pulling more people into agriculture Um, this has certainly gotten a lot of new folks interested so uh, we're excited to have them, and I know there's a couple of other associations that are, are forming as a part of this. Uh, that was one thing that we really lacked, is like, during session, who is basically your authority go-to. here? Yeah. Who is your go-to? And we were kind of, different ones of us were pulling from different areas. Our go-to farm bureaus is often AgriLife, Texas a and AgriLife. They do an excellent job. Um, of always having all kinds of, of of research studies, all kinds of information available to us, to the public, and it, they're they're known to be extremely extremely credible. It was so unfortunate that we couldn't turn to them this past session and say, "Hand us the information," yeah, uh, like we're so used to. But they're gonna. I mean, they're catching up with that. Well, I was asked able... about
0: yeah. I was asked about seed genetics. I mean, they're mm-hmm. at the forefront of that. I think people. Um, you we know, were at some meetings with them, and it just people forget like just the the you know kind of the high science that goes into farming, right, in this day and age, right. But having Absolutely. a consistent seed, right, mm-hmm. they're getting at it just so you know, like this seed will produce this kind of crop. Then yeah. it's a matter of um, how much space where you want to grow it, but or where can you plant it rather. But these mm-hmm. seeds will get you this kind of crop under the conditions as a farmer that you set, right? Right. For people that are farming, um, but you know, there's existing members who might want to get who might want to look at. If the market fits for them to, to grow him, but for folks who are new entrants to the market, can the farmers farm bureau be a um, you know a place for them to go to as well for resources on just policy and what's going on with it as well? They want to become members, I'm sure. We'll we'll put the link to the site, but y'all have different membership uh, yeah definitely kind of, uh, levels right
1: definitely our membership is um, affordable. Um, it's it's definitely something you can get into at it starts kind of at your county level. Um, which is really fortunate because it's a big grassroots organization. So if you're interested um, in becoming a member, you have the opportunity, just like any other of our members, um, to put forth policy resolutions as a part of your county convention process. That ultimately goes through a bigger process that um, ends at our state convention uh, where we pass all of our final policy for that year, and that policy book is essentially, if it passes, goes into the policy book, and that policy book is what we um, lobby from and um, take direction from when it comes to the various policies we support or, or even oppose. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a worthwhile organization in terms of, uh, for a lot of different reasons, uh, member benefits, but we don't have time to get into all of that, um, I encourage anyone who's interested to absolutely get involved with their Texas Farm Bureau. We've got a lot of also um, past experience and knowledge about working with different grant programs, different uh, uh, crop insurance policies, various things like that. So in a lot of other aspects, we can be very helpful. Um, but at the same time, I've heard there's a, a Texas Hemp Coalition coming together, um that is is potentially going to be a big association to get a part of to become a part of it already is good and, and like and incredible um it's just one of those which what which which association right now there's a lot of them. yeah so um, the market will kind of exactly. term
0: that right it shape sound exactly
1: totally I just I know the people behind the Texas Hemp coalition and they ask, do we? yeah they have a lot of good um sound experience um passing the legislation, work on, working on the legislation, and as far as also having a lot of contacts with other states and with the national programs as well. So a uh, little shout-out towards them, but of course Texas Farm Bureau is, uh, is um, going to be able to provide a lot of help, helpful resources as well. Do you,
0: well. Last question, just going into, we're, we're still a little over half a year or six months out from the next legislative session in, in uh, 2021, January. Do you just foresee anything that might have been lingering from last session around hemp that might be tightened up or things that you're seeing now i mean we have the testing part obviously we talked about but anything at least right now you might see coming along around this or maybe it's just we'll see the next six months brings 10 months brings once um once licensing's out and how people use it this kind of thing
1: i think that's largely it um really we're we're just anxious to get going with the program and to see where we need to tighten things up or loosen things up from there. Um, of course, from, of course, Texas is kind of bound by, by USDA and by the, what was passed in the farm bill. So we're going to have to always deal within those confines of the federal rules uh, because, of course, any, any any program we get passed is going to have to be approved um, by USDA. So I'm assuming any tweaks further on down the line will as well. And then um, from that standpoint, I'm sure we're going to take a closer look at the uh, testing in the fields. Right now, the, there is a window in order farmers can't even get their crop out of the fields. They can't, they're not allowed to harvest and that unless they have, um, uh, sample tested their, their crop and have assurance that that sample set is below 0.3% or 0.03%. Um, long story short, it's just going to be difficult because right now it's a 15 day time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, are going to have to collect the samples, send it off for testing, receive the receive the results and then harvest um, the entire field within that 15-day time frame. So that's one of the things that's really going to be uh, that's a big curiosity to a lot of our folks as to if that's even something that's viable. Um, we're a little worried that we need longer uh, a longer time frame than that short 15-day window. So mm-hmm.
0: Well, TBD on that. Yep. Uh, Marissa, thanks for your time and all your work you're doing at the Farm Bureau. And I uh, look forward to having you back on the show uh, in the near term to talk about developments and him. Thank
1: you. We're excited to see where it goes and um, uh, happy to be on here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to today's BG Podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.